Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. All right, thrilled to be here today <laughs> in Westside Middle School, uh, visiting again with good friend Michaela Baker about all the awesome things that she's doing uh, in her ELA class. And uh, last time we were here, we got a chance to talk about some of your doctoral work and data-driven uh, the process, I guess, that goes into your classroom. So if you if you have not had a chance to check out that podcast, definitely do it after you listen to this one. All right, so Michaela, welcome back to the pod. Thank you. Uh, for someone that maybe didn't listen in the first time, can you kind of give us a little bit about your like background, history, you know, in education and those things? Um, so my doctoral study was about learner profiles in the middle school classroom or middle level classroom. And so we talked last time just about learner profiles and gathering information about your students so that way you know your learner. Awesome. And you've been teaching ELA for how long here and just in general? Uh, at the middle school for two years, but this is my ninth year in education. Okay, nice. And you've yeah. had a chance to do a lot of personalized stuff, I guess, over the course of, because you were part of the cohort. Yes, I was a part of the second cohort. Um, I started at the high school, and so we introduced that at the sophomore lit level. Mm -hmm. And um, I also taught and coached debates, so that is all personalized. <laughs> um, but incorporating it to sophomore lit was more of a challenge because you're working on a team, and everyone has to, you know, kind of be on board with what mm -hmm. you're doing for pace-wise, you know. Yeah. Um, and then here at the middle school, we have a lot more flexibility about how we do things. So that's been fun. Yeah, I, I, I could see that being the experience, too, that I haven't been at the high school. It is um, very much about trying to keep six, seven, sometimes classrooms all at a generally the same, same pace and same part of what you're working on, where that's got to be cool to have a little more time, a little mm -hmm. more flexibility. So, uh, so this round, I guess we get a chance to visit a little bit about uh, the game, personalized learning game that you put together. And so maybe let's kind of begin with why you selected this particular unit, um, why a game, and just sort of the origins of this as a, a design for you. Uh, well, we normally do a Holocaust unit about this time of year, and because of the weird break, because of what the other units we had designed earlier in the year, and then we had spring break, and it hit at this weird time, and so I was like, why don't we do short stories? Because it doesn't matter if you, as long as you finish the stories before break, you're, you're at a good, like, stopping point. So that's kind of how that idea came about, and it's like, well, let's gamify it, because yeah. I heard about your... Uh, experiences with gamification and following you on Twitter and that kind of stuff and so I got excited and came to you for inspiration I guess <laughs> how do I do this <laughs> oh and I that's funny you bring up Twitter because that's where I go for inspiration too and there's so many great educators on there that have helped kind of shape my understanding of how that stuff works and so uh, I also have been really intrigued by the idea of taking big risks lately or or taking small risks or just what is risk in general and so um, you certainly you know not only to say hey let's do an entirely new unit but let's also personalize that unit. But let's also turn that unit into a game. Uh, I think really embodies that spirit quite well. So that's uh, that's fun. And um, yeah, I know we had a chance to as we like looked at this unit. There was it's a five week span of time, and that spring break falls smack dab in the middle of it. So you had two weeks before, two weeks after. So I think that was just maybe a good. Um, I applaud you on your educational sensibility to say, you know what, let's let's really think about what's going. to... I think short stories sound. Did it work? Like that part, just that element of it. That, yes, and it also bought me time, so that way I could really develop the first two uh, worlds or short oh, stories, yeah. and even the third one. I ended up um, because the first week it bought me some time to really finish that third one, so I had at least three of them done 
done before spring break because I had some superstars that just blew through it. They <laughs> grabbed onto this idea yeah. and ran with it. So that third world was really their stopping point before spring break. I told them they had to at least be through two, but mm-hmm. if they wanted to, they could get through that third one. Awesome. Okay, and so and now we're talking worlds and short stories, yes. and those are synonymous, <laughs> which is good. So we'll kind of dive into the nuance of the game. But one piece I want to bring up before you start to elaborate on that is just the fact that with initiatives like this, I think sometimes with personalized learning, as we have started to support teachers and, and foster that as a classroom practice, I guess, trying to personalize learning, uh, a great entry point is choice. Uh, but I, th- I think after enough iterations, and once you're comfortable with that, branching out to where pace becomes something that the students are in control of is certainly like the next place to venture potentially after that. And so um, that's going to be a part of, I feel like, where our conversation will go today. So if you're listening, that's something to like be tuned into with what Michaela will, will share here. So what's the theme of this game? What the heck are these worlds? You want to talk gameplay a little bit and where that met these short stories? Okay, so I had this, I knew I wanted to do these certain five stories, and that was about where I introduced you, and you came in with this Ready Reader One, which it was this new movie that's coming out. If you've seen it, I don't know, I still haven't seen it, which is probably a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've seen the premise, you read enough about it, and absolutely, keep going. But it was your game, so you can kind of make it go wherever you need it to. Right, exactly. So I had this like grand idea that there would be this like hidden Easter egg somewhere, or there would be like this thing that kids got at the end and that ended up not um, coming to fruition but each of the worlds were designed so that way they had a reading element a writing element vocabulary Um, the kids did some IXL in there and then they had like these chance card readings where if they did this like building background reading of some kind they had to annotate an article show it to me and they could draw a chance card they really liked that and then the kids earned badges I'm already thinking about how I want to change it because we ended the badges I thought would play into the secret world, which was the last sixth world that the kids would eventually get Mm to. Um, Which we might consider to be almost like an extension like story. So if if you were traditional classroom, you'd have five readings, everybody line up. We're going to do this one day one. We're going to do this one on Thursday. We're going to do this one on Monday. Uh, And then the assignments that would go with it would pace out like that. But by giving, by creating these five stories and the resources that would go with them and the assignments ahead of time, uh, students could progress through Ready Reader One (laughs) and those worlds, those stories, uh, yeah, as, as quickly as they would like to, right? And so the idea was that if and when somebody finished all that, they would get to the sixth world, which is... Which I ended up not creating because we had um, the fifth world was Summit, was the story I only had about 10 kids get there. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot about pace and how much the kids could actually get through because I had never taught this unit before. It was completely new, so I didn't know how far kids would get. I just had this this idea that there were five stories and this magical sixth world. But um, that's definitely something we can work on for, for next year. Yeah, and I think that anytime you venture, take a risk, I'll get back to what I was saying earlier, uh, that uh, you're going to learn those things, you know, but it, but you won't find out unless you try. Exactly. Um, and so what else uh, would you say that you sort of gleaned or found out from this, this particular try? The kids needed something where they, I don't know if like we've done stamp sheets before where the kids like have something like physical where they have like their tasks. I put mm-hmm. it more on the kids, this unit, to kind of keep track of their own 
system. Kind of like progress through these worlds and check in the boxes in each kind of thing. Yes. And okay. so I had like an overview sheet of the unit that I shared with the students and a lot of them used that. And then they like highlighted or they had their own system of how they kept track of what they did. But I still had some students that struggled with, okay, well, what do I need to do next because of the pacing piece of it? Because they did have that choice where it was a little ambiguous for my co-taught mm -hmm. classes. Um, so we had to do a little more scaffolding as we got through that. Like, okay, here's your sheet. Yeah. Okay, this is the first thing you do. This is the second thing you do. But for the most part, the majority of kids, the majority of my classes did a wonderful job with it. They were able to keep track of their assignments and progress mm -hmm. through the unit. So just thinking about that scaffolding piece for some of those kids, especially at this point in the year, you know you have a pretty good idea of which kids are going to struggle with pacing. Right. And then we also ended up modifying for some of those students, too, like with the IXL. Instead of getting to 80, they'd maybe have to go to 60. Okay. So modifying some of those things, too, and thinking about that a little bit more for the future. Yeah. And I, I want to, like, key in on this and super stress this because that is why we – I think in large part why we do personalized learning. Okay? I think the choice creates engagement uh, and ownership and interest. Uh, but the idea is is that I don't I would love every class to foster a sense of learner autonomy and student agency in such a way that can benefit them in other subject areas and for years down the line and doing things like how do I manage multiple assignments and keep track of what I'm responsible for uh, can look different to every student and so I like in your explanation there you're saying you know we had some people did this and some people did that and we also need to think about how we can like that is the place to start to extend your choices um, is, is to say, okay, well, these three didn't work for a very small number of folks, but there, there probably is some system out there that, that would um, be so, like, supportive of them with such, such an undertaking, uh, which is life, right? Like, get out, of, get out of this system, and sorry, you're juggling a lot of things at a time. And so to be intentional about creating those experiences where they can develop those skills for whatever, uh, I think is a real value that I'm excited that you gave your students the opportunity to experience. Um, and if they struggle with that, that's a worthwhile struggle to, you know, it's a good fight to fight. And um, so that's, that's great to hear. And this is a safe place to fail. Like, yes. this is a safe environment. Like, if you don't get it right the first time, well, I guess we're going to pick ourselves up and we're going to try it again. Mm -hmm. We're just going to keep going. And you know what's awesome is when you're not tied to the front as the educator, they have access to you for that support mm -hmm. um, to the degree to which they're willing to express that and, and understand that you're there. Like to, I think it, it helps. How do you, uh, we'll go with that. How do you feel like your time um, working in small groups or with individuals and that relationship piece? You're already you know, this far into the year. Uh, we're in May right now. So just to kind of like clarify, I guess, if you're listening later on. But what did that piece feel like compared to the traditional? Well, a lot of my units are personalized, so a lot of oh, the time true. I s work with the smaller groups of students or I work one-on-one -on -one with a lot of the kiddos, but it frees me up from being the sage on the stage and me directing and the kids just absorbing to me being able to work with individual students, and it just allows me to get to know them as a learner so much better and, okay, where are you struggling? Okay, this is your point of of struggle so then how do we get past that let's problem mm -hmm. solve or what is it that you need specifically and I can help those individual students that are struggling where my other kids that are ready to run I'm not holding them back yeah um, and I do want to pull in some of the data points because I had yeah, the kids good. do let's talk that element too. a self-reporting survey afterwards and I had 85% of the kids report that they were more engaged in this unit compared to other units this year which I thought was an amazing number wow 
And then um, I also, because I was focused more on pace rather than choice because they've, they're used mm-hmm. to getting choice in this classroom yep. because we do a lot of personalized learning. So I was more concerned about pace for this unit. And what did you think about having to set your own pace for this? Like they did have to progress through the worlds just as a management piece on my end because it would be mm-hmm. a nightmare if they could choose whatever world they wanted <laughs> and turning yeah. in assignments and that kind of thing. But as far as like what assignments they did and how long they took them to do it and as far as planning out their time in class, I ended up having 85% say that they enjoyed setting their own pace and then 84% said that they completed more because they were allowed to set their own pace. Awesome. 84% mm-hmm. said that they feel like they got more done. That's incredible. Right. And you're like, maybe you're listening. I don't feel this way because I think that's a phenomenal number. But you're like, well, what about the other 16%? They had an opportunity to probably learn to take on that responsibility and do that effectively. See our previous conversation, right? Like Mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier in the podcast. So how did those chance cards play in? Okay, so there were a couple opportunities that I had already planned out where kids could draw a chance card. So that was that background reading. So for every short story, there was some sort of background, like for Raymond's Run, the brother has Down syndrome. So for kids that didn't know about Down syndrome, there was an article about like, what is it? And then there was another one more talking about the life of someone who has Down syndrome. Because I know some of my kids have siblings or cousins or family members that have Downs, so they don't necessarily need to know what it is. But there was this other article that they could read as well. Or Mm -hmm. kids could read both articles if they really wanted to and draw a chance card for both of them after they did their annotations. Just extension opportunities that are required, but it incentivizes those. And so I also like was like, okay, well, there's this writing piece of it. Well, what if they do a peer editing? I'll give them a chance card for that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, just incentivize some of those things that you don't have to do, but you probably should be doing. Yeah. Or this is a great thing for you to do. And so I noticed that one of the roadblocks for some of the kids is because they were ahead or because they were behind trying to find someone who could, who knew the assignment so that way they could edit it or they could. Oh, yeah. That was a challenge for some students. So they ended up kind of clustering together, some of them, and working in different groups of, okay, we're working on this assignment and let's figure out how to, let's edit this one together or let's. So that kind of organically happened as well. Interesting. Yeah. That's something that I found in my own experience too. This, you know, some students work better in groups and some in pairs and some as individuals. And they, it, given that type of structure, they sort of figure that out at mm-hmm. some point. They're like, oh, I'm going to need to have a, uh, I, it's the same way with the workout. <laughs> you know, like when you go to the gym, it's so nice when you have an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that that can happen academically too. Um, and some people don't need that and prefer to work individually. But uh, that's interesting to hear that that came out of this. Look what happens when you take a risk, right? When you right? try something new and yeah. venture out there. Uh, so when they would get those chance cards in, like what what could you use those for? Then? So, now we understand like how we attain those, but then how do you play them? Those are like free um, formative five bonus points, or they would get a free warrior buck because we do um, warrior bucks here at the middle school where kids can take those and cash those in at the warrior buck store for like candy or t-shirts or Pencils, we have a bunch mm-hmm. of different little things that the kids can buy, and they're on like a rotation cycle. We also had, um, there were several, oh, like free food days, because kids aren't supposed to have food in class. So you could bring food in for that day, or I had a free comfy day where the kids could bring in a blanket and a pillow <laughs> to class if they really wanted to. So that was kind of cool for the kids, because they, they all valued those bonus points. They're like, we want the bonus points. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, man, a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that uh, that would be really fun. And I love the randomness of that. Yeah, and the engagement that comes from just the like unknown, right? Like I've earned this thing, but what have I earned? Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, that engagement piece with that is really fun. So how, about how many cards do you think that students drew? I actually have data on Ooh, that. Of course you do. That's because awesome. I asked the kids if they had completed chance card activities and 33% actually completed chance card activities. Wow, which means 33% did some sort of extension. Mm -hmm. Let's kind of give it to the academic, you know, as much as I get excited about those cards, right? That yeah. Just that simple card promising you can bring a pillow to class caused mm -hmm. a third of the class to do something above and beyond. Or a free answer on the exit quest. That was a big one for them too because I would give them bonus points if they ended up answering all the questions correctly on their own. I was like, oh, I'll give you two bonus points because you drew this card that said that you got a free answer. <laughs> you didn't take advantage of the free answer. So. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. Makes sense. Nice. And so it's just interesting because sometimes we feel like, well, how am I, how am I going to get students to intrinsically want to go above and beyond? And, and uh, it's amazing that you don't have to do incentivize it a whole lot, but mm -hmm. um, when you make it fun, the way in which you can attain that thing it's the it's the randomness of that almost that is the, as big a draw as the two bonus points. If you promised them two bonus points, they wouldn't do the assignment. Oh, and we haven't talked about the boss challenges at <laughs> I all. I know I was getting ready to set that up too. Then so then, <laughs> I, that must have gone poorly from your excitement, right? I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> um, so at the end of each world was they a boss had, battle. Yeah, they had this boss challenge, and it was kind of academic but not really academic it was meant to be fun and tie into the story somehow like for raymond's run because it was about like racing i was like okay well what game could we do that has like racing involved in it because i don't want the kids like running all over the school or right. doing something like that so i have spot it and so it's a race to get rid of your cards first and so the kids could play spot it <laughs> or like in one of the short stories it starts where the dad and the son are playing chess well, the boss battle is to play chess, and they loved it. And I actually did not know how to play chess. Um, and I had students show me, and it was really yeah. cool to build that relationship with those couple kids that were, like, showing me how to play, and then, like, the kids that didn't know how to play, and they were, like, other kids were coming in and helping them, and just that classroom community was really cool to see. Hi. Right, so so we, I get through all my assignments in the world, and I get to this boss battle. And so who am I playing spotted against or chess against? Ideally, it's someone who is also towards the end of the unit. Like, okay. I wouldn't let them just just do it if they hadn't even read the story yet or whatever. Like, it was something that you did as one of your last activities for that unit. Just because of pace, you know, it's flexible. And yeah. at first, I was like, oh, you have to win. And then some kids would get so mad because they played <laughs> Spot It like four or five times. And I'm like, okay, probably not the most effective use of class time. So you just have yeah. to play. Yep. So that's what it turned into. and But it was still so much fun. The kids loved it. They all wanted to get to the boss battle. Like they mm -hmm. wanted to get to the end of the unit. And one of the last ones for Pell Street, it was those 3D images, those magic eyes. Yeah. So funny to I see the kids the kid. that are like typically used to being like so smart and so like, oh, I can, you know, they get everything done and they, you know, are just these a plus plus students and then they couldn't see the image and it was frustrating to them and it was just this like okay well let's look up how do you do this how do you see the image and yeah. it was just kind of a fun learning curve and learning process for them to see them with the boss battles and that's the here i always like to at least address the naysayers on things sometimes right so someone might go really you're gonna spend t like five to ten minutes playing chess or playing and, and here's what i would say to that students when they're not motivated and engaged, don't always use class time optimally. 
And so what I would contend is that that motivational factor to I want to get into the boss battle, hopefully motivated them to work five or 10 minutes or more faster. And not that speed is what we're after, but I mean to be driven, to, to do well, to be focused, to and complete to a task. And to see the other kids doing it and having fun doing it. Yes, and so that'd be the other thing too. So I think we make up that time on the front end. And then I also think that the benefit of the classroom culture um, and the 85% engagement that you're getting data on are certainly supported by a five-minute game in the middle of an 85-minute class period when they maybe play one game every two two classes, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. so, so just in case you're kind of sitting there, now we're we're playing it, yeah, for five minutes. You know what? I I'll, I'll, I want to reap those benefits, and I'm I'm willing to sacrifice that five because I think it gets lost anyway if you don't go there. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Cool. And I'm glad that you like, got the chance to experience that, too. And I can tell you had fun. So yes. Maybe kind of close on that note, too. So, so like for you as an educator, kind of reflect on... I love the selfish. relationships yeah. that I was able to build in this. Like, even like with the boss challenge, like some of the kids were like, I want to battle you, Mrs. Baker. <laughs> so <laughs> we would do, we'd play chess together. We'd play spot it together. And like having that one-on-one, I think the kids really valued that, that they had my time 100% for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And they loved that. And I loved it too, because it's that relationship piece. Even though we're in May, well, it was April, I suppose, when the unit was going sure. on. But like end of the year you know still getting to know your kids still building those relationships because we still have now 18 days left we got to still push through so I just love getting to know the kids and spending more one-on-one time with them not only academically but then also more in a fun realm yeah you know that's kind of what middle school is about anyway (laughs) I don't know if you can hear this on the pod but she's grinning ear to ear and that's fantastic (laughs) that's what you want that's what that's what we all sign up for right I mean as much as we love our content area uh, and are passionate about you know academics. That that relationship piece is really what you go home at the end of the day, going, you know, I'm I'm making a significant, positive impact on as many people as I can with my time. And thank you for because it is it's more effort, it's a little more work. And I'm grateful that we have you know time with our personalized learning initiative to give four hours to those those causes. But uh, it still is you know a lot of stuff on the front end. But um, sounds like worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. worth it. Oh, well, it sounds like we're going to have to double back and make some more games here uh, at some point in time, and we'll share those out as those come up. But uh, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing your story. Uh, If you're listening in, check out the resources. We'll try to maybe post some of this data um, and some of the other cool things that Michaela had a chance to incorporate into this unit so that you can learn from those things too. So, uh, again, thanks for your time, and we'll see you again on the pod, I'm sure, soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.